They're coming to get you, Barbara. There was a girl. And the girl had a shadow. What did you see, Clarice? What did you see? Lambs. I was screaming. You're listening to SockPod, the Sturchley Open Cinema Podcast. Bringing the community together through film for Sturchley and our neighbours. Hello and welcome to SockPod. My name is Chris. My name's James. And I'm Karis. And together we run the Sturchley Open Cinema. And this is our Halloween spooktacular. Woo! Ooh. <laughs> I was hoping for a woo there. We're going to start this episode by clearing up something from September's episode. Karis, do you remember last time we were all together a prime minister ago? <laughs> When we were talking about rotoscope animation and you said... Well, I feel like we need some sort of film fact feature where we talk through like something like that type of animation just so Rocky can expand my mind because I've got no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, Well, you asked for it. James, did you look up rotoscope animation? A little bit, and it's definitely not what I thought it was. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> I was calling it cel-shaded animation. Yeah. Where I got that from. Cel-shaded animation is very similar. I'm not really sure if I know the difference that well, but I think cel-shaded animation is done by computers, and they add the shading to make it look sort of cartoonish. They do it a lot in video games, mm. like uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild. Anyone played the yeah. best game in the world? Yeah. Do you remember that? <laughs> um, and then rotoscoping is where they film something with cameras, live action, and then they painstakingly animate over every cell, like frame by frame. They will stop right. and animate over it, draw, trace it, basically. And there are 24 frames a second. That does matter. I mean, to be fair, thinking of the Apollo 10 and a half that I was talking about, one of the things that really works well in that is like the natural movements of the characters. So that makes sense. And now you know. Thanks. Wow, that was helpful. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> I'm not sure we'll continue this feature. Karis's <laughs> reaction. I was going to say how, yeah, just cutting sarcasm becomes a good yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's just really hard to say, isn't it, genuinely? Like, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Yeah. yeah, you're welcome, I guess. <laughs> It's the most wonderful time of the year, according to Karis at least. It's October, which means we have officially entered spooky film season. Karis, on a scale of one to woo, how excited are you? Triple woo. Okay, good. Good excitement level, James. I'll go for a a mid-level woo. A mid-level woo. Woo. Nice, monotone, dead woo there. Well, as you can tell, we're all super excited and if you're as excited as we clearly are then hold on to your witch's hats <laughs> there's gonna be a few puns littered throughout so so enjoy them hold on to your witch's hats because boy have we got a treat for you 
There are certain rules that one must abide by in order to successfully survive a horror movie. For instance, number one. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Any zombies out there? Don't say that. What? That. What? That. The Z word. Don't say it. Why not? Because it's ridiculous. It's got a wonderful defense mechanism. You don't dare kill it. This October, we put our Halloween film in your bloody hands. Here at Sock HQ, we carefully selected four horror films from four decades and we let you decide what we watch. That's one film from each decade, the 70s, 80s, 90s and noughties. The votes are in and the winning film will remain a mystery until the lights go down on Monday the 31st of October, also known as... Halloween. My birthday. Oh, Oh. yeah. (laughs) No one cares. (laughs) <laughs> we all care. I care. We'll get, we'll get cake. We'll get Absolutely. cake. Absolutely. So the film choices. James, what have we got? So from the 70s, we've got sci-fi horror Alien. What would you like to do? Just what you've been doing, Ash. Nothing. I've got access to Mother now and I'll get my own answers. Thank you. From the 80s, we have body horror, The Flyer. Oh, look at your face! Something happened when you went through, Seth. You've got to get some help. I think you must be sick. You're jealous! From the 90s, we have deconstructive horror no. scream. Good, yeah. <laughs> There's a formula to it. A very simple formula. Everybody's a suspect. And now I'm stuck with this bit. In the 2000s, we have comedy horror, Shaun of the Dead. Rom-zom-com. Rom-zom-com, yes. Nice. <laughs> we may have to kill my stepdad. Listen, Mum, sit tight, okay? You're not safe there. We're coming over. I don't want to cause a fuss. We're coming to get you, Barbara. Thank you, James. And like I said, the votes are in, but we still don't know what the winner is, do we? Or do we? (laughs) Or do we? (laughs) And if you ask us, it doesn't really matter what film wins, because as you're about to hear, they're all brilliant. With some help from the Independent Republic of Sturchley and our neighbours, we're going to run through each of the choices, one by one, starting with our 70s pick, Alien. Oh, God, it's moving right towards you. I think one of my favourite scenes um, in Alien is when you see the alien for the first time, it's just very briefly illuminated by a lighter and an air duct. And because you rarely see the thing that you're scared of, it's quite a jolting moment to see it for the first time. Dallas? No. Dallas? And I do enjoy a jump scare. (laughs) Hi, I'm Heidi from Birmingham Brewing Company. I think the film you should vote for is Alien, because of the choice of four, I think it's just... A classic, and if you haven't seen it, you should vote for that and go see it. But if you have seen it, you know why it's so good, and you definitely want to watch it again. (laughs) You admire it. I think the thing I love most about Alien is that it feels really timeless. It's set so far in the future that it's never going to be irrelevant. Some films that imagine kind of a dystopian future... After they've hung around for a while, it's obvious they've gotten it completely wrong (laughs) and that we haven't, we don't have that technology or, you know, we've evolved far beyond what they had imagined. But with Alien, 
they've gone so far in the future that it feels very probable. It is completely enclosed and it's full of leathery objects like eggs or something. With any good cinema, seeing it on the big screen, you will get to appreciate the details. I mean, when it was made, basically things were made for the big screen. There wasn't home video. So in the in the same way, it wasn't readily consumed as it became later in time and how we have it streaming at home now. There's so much cinematic effect that I think you just can't appreciate on a small screen. So seeing it on the big screen, like when they land on the planet, when they see that alien craft, it's obviously a constructed craft. And all of these kind of elements are not appreciated in the same way on a small scale, like same with the craft out in space and everything. Like so much of the architecture is to be, needs to be appreciated on a larger scale. Alien life form. Looks like it's been dead a long time. Fossilized. Looks like it's grown out of the chair. I think the thing that scared me most the first time is probably the classic um, bursting from the chest scene. I'm eating this. What's the matter? The food ain't that bad, baby. Yeah, it's just so unexpected. It's an excellent jump scare. But it also, like, the soundtrack of it is incredibly creepy. I think with any good horror film, anything that's a thriller, it uses sound very effectively and... Alien certainly does, because there's so much silence. We don't have soundtracks. We don't have orchestral soundtracks in our life, and neither does Alien. Like, it really plays on kind of like the real sounds of what it would be in space. There's a lot of silence, and so when noise is made, it's a true jump scare. I do think my favorite character is Ellen Ripley, played by Sigourney Weaver. But also, I also really enjoy Ian Holm. And he, he, because he plays it so straight, it's quite shocking when you discover that he's the android or robot or however we are referring to him. I think cinematically, it's incredibly effective how he's got white blood. So again, they're like the sound, a lot of their visuals are just very effective because it's not what you expect at all. Survivor. I'm clouded by conscience, remorse, or delusions of morality. Just the notion of there's something out there that we don't know about. It feels very real, so it's something that you you know you really are scared of. It's not a boogeyman, it's not a ghost, it's not something too crazy sci-fi. It just feels very real. And that's why you should vote for Alien. Let's get the hell out of here. A strong argument there from Heidi. What do you think, James, of Alien? 
yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of Alien. I think it's the first horror film that I ever saw. Oh right. So first proper scary film for me. And also when I went to uni, I went to the same uni as my older brother, and they had a really cool student cinema there. And the first film I went to see there was Alien. So yeah, I've got I've got good memories. But it's been probably since then that I've seen it on the big screen. So we could see it again. Was it quite formative in your horror tastes? Do you now like claustrophobic, uh, tense horrors? Yeah, I think so. And and also kind of sci-fi leaning horrors as well. Like The Thing's probably like one of my favourites. And there's a lot of DNA shared between those two. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think so. Karis, scared of Alien as much as you are of Tremors? I think it is quite a scary film, yeah. But I think as you touched on the claustrophobia is key to that but um it's got a really strong female lead and a cat so you know both things are a big tick in my box you can't go wrong can you can't go wrong no i'm the same if a a film's got an animal in it i'm a big fan that's my favorite netflix category strong female lead and cat (laughs) (laughs) they're getting weirder aren't they the netflix (laughs) categories i saw one today that said understated mother and daughter dramas (laughs) i want to watch overstated Okay, so let's leave the crew of the Nostromo and crash back down to earth with our 80s pick. When I saw it the first time, I was, I think, pretty young. I think I was like 10 and I was absolutely mortified. Just, it was so gross. I really vividly remember him like peeling off his fingernails as he's transforming into the Brundlefly and yeah, proper repulsed. And I didn't watch it again for years because I was kind of scared of it. I'm afraid! Don't be afraid! No. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Who's this? I'm Ashley from Artifact. I'm the resident graphic designer and bartender. Uh, And I'm here to tell you that you should be watching The Fly this Halloween. I'm not going to tell anyone that The Fly is the scariest film I've ever seen. I don't think it deserves that title, but it's easily the most horrifying film I've ever seen from a gross-out perspective. Cronenberg is known as the master of body horror, and it's the horror you can't escape from, your own body physically turning against you. You're changing, Seth. Everything about you is changing. You look bad. You smell bad. I've never been much of a bather. Without giving too much away, essentially, we have Gina Davis, who's a, an investigative reporter, meets a scientist, Jeff Goldblum, who promises her that he's going to change the world. I think you're making a mistake. I think you really want to talk to me. Sorry, I have three other interviews to do before this party's over. Yeah, but they're not working on something that'll change the world as we know it. They say they are. Yeah, but they're lying. He's invented this incredible teleportation device. She goes back to her editor, explains it to him, and he thinks she's been duped. It's stupid. Leave it alone. But she can't resist. She goes back. And obviously, something goes awry. The teleporter does not work as function. And uh, things things start to go disgustingly wrong for Seth. Those weird hairs that were growing out of your back, I took them to a lab. I had them analyzed. The guy at the lab had trouble identifying them. 
he finally came to the conclusion that they were definitely not human. Oh. <laughs> very good. Not human, Seth. In fact, very likely insect hairs. I think generally the transformation of Seth into the Brundle fly is kind of... It's, it's what the film's all about, and the incredible uh, prosthetics that still look great today. I only watched it last night, and it still turns my stomach every time. My God. As he's turning into a fly, obviously he's going to grow some pretty horrible, hairy appendages. But the worst of all is I never really thought about it until I saw him do it. Flies vomit on their food. Brundlefly breaks down solids with a corrosive enzyme, playfully called vomit drop. He regurgitates on his food, it liquefies, and then he sucks it back up. Ready for demonstration, kids? So him just sort of biling out acid at one point is a real, uh, a real churning moment. Here it goes. Oh my god! It's got a kind of a surprising narrative in that it's not all-out horror. It's actually kind of a romantic tragedy because at the beginning you're really rooting for I can't remember Gina Davis's character's name, um, but her and Seth to get together and. You can just tell it's all going to go horribly wrong from the start. But they're, they're so good together to begin with that, yeah, it's just, it's a real tragedy. <laughs> I, I just, I wanted to see you before. <laughs> you have to leave now. And never come back here. It's interesting to watch the film now from a modern viewpoint because there is a kind of abortion subtext where our female lead has a kind of horrific nightmare scenario where she is imagining that she's going to give birth to some kind of horrible fly-like creature as well. Give us a push. You can push it out. Come on. That's it. Come on. No, wait, wait. No. You can do it. Oh, wait. And even going to her ex-boyfriend and explaining that to him, the guy who's meant to be kind of helping her out, he's really, really not great at helping her out and doesn't give her much support at all. He kind of almost tries to talk her out of it. Uh, and it's quite interesting to, to see it from that viewpoint now. I think Cronenberg was hitting onto something about women and their bodies in another kind of body horror sense. Very persuasive, I thought. How do you feel about The Fly? Karis, you haven't seen it, have you? I haven't seen The Fly. I feel like I've seen clips of The Fly, specific, very important clips. So I'm looking forward to one day maybe seeing it in full. Is it the one that you want to win because you haven't seen it? Yeah, is it? there it is, yeah. It's going to come out full <laughs> on for The Fly. And we can rig it. <laughs> James, the fly. But we didn't. <laughs> but we, uh, we did. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> yeah, no, um, the fly's great. Uh, I, I'm i a big fan of Jeff Goldblum. I can't think of a bad film he's in. 
maybe the Independence Day sequel wasn't that part. And I've heard Jurassic World Dominion isn't great. Oh, I've not seen that yet. Yeah, so no, I'll I haven't. Retract that statement. <laughs> I, a non pre two thousands Goldblum <laughs> film. Um, yeah, so no, really like it. And I'd, I actually don't think I've seen many Cronenberg films apart from that. But obviously, he's kind of the master of the body horror. And it's a really good example of that. Also, just I really like practical effects. And The Fly is just really great for that. It's really disgusting and in your face. And yeah, didn't need any CGI for that to really work. Like you just heard, um, it's not the scariest film that you will see, but it is the most disgusting and gruesome <laughs> horrific film um this will make you want to see it karis one of the guy's names in it is stathis baranus oh sounds like a dinosaur um and he works for particle magazine and on his number plate of his car is particle (laughs) i mean who doesn't want to see that okay we're now going to time travel from the decade of the perm and telepods and we're traveling to the decade of portable phones and high schoolers who are clearly in their mid to late 20s it's scream hello who is this hi i'm lee mckenzie and i work at artifact helping to run events and i put on the poetry night here and a writing group as well Nobody has the movie I want. Hey, if it's on video, Blockbuster probably has it. I mean, we have over 10,000 videos. Wow. In 1996, I remember making trips down to Blockbusters. And I think my mum at that time had got very excited about the fact that you could watch cinema films at home for relatively cheap. Hey, more movies, more night, more fun. Blockbuster video. Wow. What a difference. But she'd been to the cinema to see Scream. Someone is playing a deadly game. And she decided that it was a really good idea for my nan and granddad, who don't watch any films, to watch the Hollywood blockbuster Scream. Hello. Hello, Sydney. And for some reason, they allowed me to watch it as well. And I would have been nine or ten, probably ten. And we were sat in one of those sort of fading residential suburban front rooms where people's outlines were on the, the seats of the settees. And my nan and granddad drinking cups of tea, and it, it, I think it must have been winter sort of time, it was quite dark. I think my mum was excited by the fact that she liked a film, because she hates films, she barely sits still for half an hour. So she'd watched this film, she'd really enjoyed it, and brought it back to the group as if, like, I don't know, Prometheus in some way, returning with the fire of a horror film. And she um, put it on. And everybody sort of sat through it, I think, to placate her. Hello. Hello. The way in which the film structured that first 10 minutes with Drew Barrymore, that bit particularly really holds up. It's really scary. You never told me your name. Why do you want to know my name? I want to know who I'm looking at. What did you say? That was enough to stick me to the to the settee in, in all sorts of ways because I was scared to move and also because you know it was it was impressive. There was a, it was overwhelming in some respects. Listen, asshole! No, you listen, little bitch. If you hang up on me again, I'll cut you like a fish. Understand? 
And also, I think it plays, particularly as it, when I was that young, it plays on the idea of um, a safe space, like your home being invaded. That attack from outside coming within really um, shook me, I think. But no, that first 10 minutes or so was enough to sort of send me white with shock, I think. My granddad has to wash up everything all the time immediately. So I think he was stood washing up something. And then I think to sort of indicate that, yeah, it's good, I'm glad that we watched that, or to show some sort of love for my mum, he sort of joked around with the knife. But I remember even the concept of the joking around with the knife being utterly, utterly frightening. And just the concept that it could be dropped onto somebody's foot, and I had quite a strong image of the idea of it being dropped and going straight directly through somebody's foot. You sort of laugh along or smile along when actually you're utterly, utterly terrified. Later at night, I was lying in bed. The room is dark, but the light from the landing was sort of a rich yellow light. So as the door slowly creeped open, you could see that yellow light coming in and and, and lighting everything in in a different colour. You shouldn't see that because you were the one opening the door. So this door was opening. And then I just saw the the blade of the knife come through. I just didn't know what to think, so I, I imagine I screamed. I'm not entirely sure. But then it was a joke and the light was switched on and it was just my mum laughing. Not quite sure how I feel about that, but I'm sure she enjoyed it. I remember when I first saw Scream, I was 10 and I watched it at my friend Lucy's house. Uh, We got it on video from Blockbuster. And um, do you remember the opening is is like a short film in itself, isn't it? Karis can't remember. It's another cultural film that she thinks she's seen. It really is. I was like, I could have sworn I'd seen Scream. And then I was like, I haven't actually seen it, have I? I've just seen lots of footage of... What's his mask face? No, what's his name? Yeah. Um, is it Ghostface? Ghostface, Ghost yeah. yeah. The opening scene, anyway, is based on, I think it's a 70s film. It's called When a Stranger Calls. And it's almost a pretty much a copy of that. And that's the same. The opening scene is basically a short film. Drew Barrymore's cooking her popcorn, getting ready to watch a scary movie. Then the phone rings. And it's this killer on the other end. But he's very charming to begin with and flirty. And then it turns. And I remember when it that turn happens, he asks, um, what's your name? And she says, why do you want to know that? And he says, because I want to know who I'm looking at. And I remember like my blood went cold and I got the chills when I saw that. I can still remember that feeling. I was like, oh, my God, he's there. He's there. And that really freaked me out when I was a kid. I can still remember that feeling. Do you have a visceral reaction to Scream? Or at least the opening scene? <laughs> yeah, only the opening scene. Um, no, it's it's quite clever as well, isn't it? Because it pulls the rug out from under you in that it is Drew Barrymore right at the beginning. And you'd think she's going to be the headliner. Yep. Yeah. And no spoilers, but not so much. She's not the headliner. So, uh, yeah, no, it's a great film. I almost feel like because it has had so much... Um pop culture references and scary movies and stuff like that. But like, 
stopped being taken seriously but and and that's probably why I've never gone back and actually seen it but from what you guys have said it does actually sound like it's it is a good film it's not just kind of like man in a silly mask who could fall over at any point and why why do they not why are they not able to get away from him which is kind of perception I have in my mind of it I mean it definitely is that (laughs) as well but it's uh I think it probably hit me at the right age I guess yeah and also, the people in it, I hadn't seen something like this before, but the people in it are talking about scary films. So it was mm-hmm. that self-awareness I thought was really clever at the time. And it's been done to death since, but I thought that was really clever at the time. Matthew Lillard is unforgivable, though, I do have to say. I mean, that. Oof. the only thing worse than someone who can't act is someone who is just really, really overacting. Kizu, Kizu, it is out. It was fun. No. Oh, we going? Oh, this is the greatest part. You're gonna love this. We got a surprise for you, Sydney. Yeah, you're gonna love this one. It's a scream, baby. Hold on a sec. I'll be right back. Matthew Lillard. Needs to get in the bin, I think. <laughs> <laughs> hey, speaking of bins, from stabbing teenagers with a big knife to throwing the Batman soundtrack at zombies, it's time to hear about our naughty's pick, Shaun of the Dead. Now please. Hi, this is Dave from Sleepy Dave Yoga. I'm a yoga teacher and personal trainer, and I uh, teach classes in Sturchley in the surrounding area, uh, and also online as well. I've also got uh, a dog right next to me chewing a toy, so if you can uh, hear any noises, that's the, the dog and not me. <laughs> okay. But dogs can look up. So uh, my choice is Shaun of the Dead, and this is why you should vote for it. One, two, three. <laughs> I think most people have probably seen it, but um, if you've been hiding in a cave and you haven't even heard about it, it's about a zombie outbreak in North London, um, and it happens around about the time that the the main character, Sean, is trying to get back with his girlfriend as well, and he has some issues with his parents as well, and there's a zombie apocalypse happening at the same time. Although no one official is prepared to comment, religious groups are calling it Judgment Day. There's panic on the streets of London. As an increasing number of reports of serious attacks on people who are literally being eaten alive. Nick Frost and Simon Pegg just doing their thing. Um, if you're a fan of Spaced, similar sort of humour. Bit silly, some of it a bit highbrow, some of it really silly and really daft. And it's just so much fun to watch. And it's also pretty dark in places. It's, it is a zombie horror film. It's a funny one, but it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty, pretty dark sometimes. Do you know, I don't think I've got it in me to shoot my flatmate, my mum and my girlfriend all in the same evening. So one of my favourite scenes in the film, um, it's the first time you encounter a zombie in it. There's a girl in the garden. What? In the garden, there is a girl. The first time they encounter a zombie, uh, there's this girl in their garden and they think they've just accidentally killed her. Um, and it's really horrible. And then she gets up and she's actually a zombie and you're like, oh, they didn't kill her. And I'm like, oh, but she's a zombie. Oh no. I think we should go back inside. Okay. And they just start throwing random things at her and they really don't know what to do. And it's hilarious, but also pretty gruesome as well. But yeah, really good fun. 
Now, some of these are limited. Whoa, 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 whoa. What was that? Um, I think it was Blue Monday. Where the original press out? I'm sorry. So there's so many quotable lines from it as well. The, the script is so fantastic. You got red on you. You got red on you. You got red on you. Mum, have you been bitten? No, but Philip has. Oh, okay. Has she been bitten? No, Philip has. Oh, okay. I still love him. I've still got the ring on my finger, Trisha. You go to bed with it? Cornetto. Take on. Go to Mum's, kill Phil, sorry, grab Liz, go to the Winchester, have a nice cold pint, and wait for all this to blow over. How's that for a slice of fried gold? Yeah, boy! For weeks afterwards, you'll just be saying, you've got red on you to each other all the time. So many little lines like that, just little things um, that just stick in your head. Really, really well executed, really fun. A script is absolutely excellent. Yeah, it's pretty good. James, you've got red on you. <laughs> I did almost check myself there when he said <laughs> that. Yeah, oh, this is, I mean, it's obviously a classic. Um, I think it's probably the first, like, comedy kind of horror that I ever saw. Or, you know, that kind of, yeah, kind of comedy based on a genre, which obviously Edgar Wright does so well. Um, and as well as being such a great film, I, I think I'm just really fond of it because it was, like, the gateway for me to Spaced and right. then obviously Hot Fuzz that followed it and all of their comedy. But... Yeah, it's just still holds up really well and it's still very funny. And actually, it's not that tied down in like... You think, thinking about Scream is that it's very 90s, isn't it? I wouldn't say yeah. I watched Shaun of the Dead and I feel like, oh, that wouldn't happen now because of technology's change. You know, like it feels like it still kind of works. It doesn't feel too dated in that respect. What I think is great about Shaun of the Dead is it is obviously really funny, but it's also a really good zombie film. It's a great addition to the canon of zombie films yeah definitely yeah it's a really good laugh but it's also you know the zombies look very zombie-ish um <laughs> it's clearly like a love story to the zombie genre um the use of music is really refreshing because a lot because sound is obviously so important in a lot of horror films but to actually have music in quite a fun sense in a in a horror film I think was makes it really enjoyable for me, like the scene in the pub where Queen comes on and like around the pool table. It's just it's just so brilliant and fun to watch and almost like a dance scene. I just kind of like there's so many like brilliant moments that you could just watch on their own from that film. It's really joyous. It is one of those films where I mean ITV two absolutely <laughs> flogged it to death <laughs> and it's probably on now. But um I can walk in and see Shaun of the Dead on, and I just be like, okay, I'll just watch it then. Oh, it's this yeah. bit, I'll watch it. It's, it's yeah, that and Hot Fuzz are sort of yes. I know, I know they're very different films, but they've obviously got that. Yeah, same director, same cast. We won't yeah. mention the last one. No, what? what there was a there was a third one. <laughs> <laughs> Before we move on, does anyone want anything from the shop? <laughs> hey, well, there you go. Four classics. From four decades, but only one can win. Who's it going to be? Actually, let's go around the room. Karis, who do you think, this is like the Oscars, who do you think will win and who do you think should win? I think Scream will win um, and I want The Fly to win. James? 
Um, I think The Fly might win because I don't think that many people have seen it. Um, but I think if I was picking the one I'd most like to see on the big screen, I'd, I'd probably go for Scream, actually, just because it's the one I'm least familiar with. So I'm yeah, really right. for Scream. I think, I think Shaun of the Dead will win. I feel like it's the most culty film of the lot. But I, I, th- I want The Fly to win, I think. I want The Fly to win. Yeah, it's a good one. If you're listening and you're dying to know the winner, then why not join us on Halloween? The details are Monday, the 31st of October, if I haven't said it already, Halloween. Doors will open at 6.30. Uh, The film will start around 7-ish. The winning film, like we said, will not be revealed until we're all in our seats and the lights go down. There's a link in the podcast notes to buy some tickets. James... Uh, Karis and I will be dressing up, won't we? We are, aren't we? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> okay. We will be dressing up for the occasion. We'd love it if you did too, but it's by no means compulsory. There's nothing worse than feeling pressured into dressing up and feeling like you have to take part in organised fun. So if that's not your cup of tea, then don't worry about it. Just bring yourself, maybe a friend, some popcorn. For those of you that do want to dress up, there will be a prize for the best dressed. I've no idea what that prize will be because... The words just fell out of my mouth. Actually, do you know what I do have? Do you remember when we screened Licorice Pizza? I accidentally bought a German version of it. You can win that. <laughs> that should be like, yeah, we should, that should be like the BB prize. That should be the BB prize. Yeah, I don't know what. The film that we didn't like in German. <laughs> <laughs> Might be less rambling in German. <laughs> they do get to the point, actually. It actually just works. <laughs> like, oh, right. What an efficient film. <laughs> <laughs> it's half the thing. And that's a wrap. Hooray. <laughs> Thank you, Karis, for joining us. Thank you. Cheers, James. Cheers. And thank you for listening. If you haven't already, please don't forget to follow the podcast wherever you're listening now. And a new episode will pop up in your feed every month. And if you have a moment and you're that way inclined, then why not leave a review or tell a friend about the show or shout about it on social media? It really does help spread the word. We appreciate it. Until next time, thanks for listening, and we'll see you in hell.